Welcome to Insurance Claims Innovation. I am Chris Tidball, Executive Claims Consultant with Second Look, where we routinely find our insurance clients millions of dollars. On our podcast, we showcase others in the insurance claims arena who are using cutting-edge technology to gain a competitive advantage. We believe that all of our guests have a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we will reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Welcome to Insurance Claims Innovation. Today, we are joined by Teresa Carmody, Senior Liability Broker and Team Leader for Cyber Practice with Willis Towers Watson. Welcome, Teresa. Hi, Chris. So cyber is a huge area with many risks and pitfalls that are often not fully understood. How do you go about explaining the difficult market conditions to clients? It's a great question. So what we do and how we go about explaining this challenging and ever-changing marketplace is by communicating early and often with our insureds. Typically, we like to connect with our insureds anywhere from 90 to 120 days in advance of a cyber insurance renewal. And that allows us enough time to have conversations with the cyber insurance markets on what trends that they're seeing, as well as share with our insureds trends that we're seeing um, for similar organizations in their space and share also pricing guidance, you know, any changes in terms and conditions that are, you know, occurring due to um, the, the changing marketplace. Um, I know also you know, we want to at that time communicate if there's any anticipated changes in premium or retention, something that we've experienced a lot over the past two years, um, as I'm sure a few of you already know, is that we've been in a very, very hard cyber market, which means that premiums and rates have skyrocketed. Um, And that primarily was due in part to cyber insurance carriers, I think at one point, not totally understanding the value of information that was being held. So they're going through these ransomware events and as a result, you know, paying out huge, huge claims payments. So we wanna make sure that we are communicating the trends that we're seeing, any information that their carrier can communicate ahead of time about anticipated changes and provide some sort of strategy as to what we um, think would be the best route um, to make sure that they have the broadest terms and conditions available in the marketplace. Yeah, I know it's, it's a big issue. You know, we were shopping for some cyber insurance not long ago, and it's there, there's been a lot of a lot of changes. And, you know, I'm wondering with the spike in cyber losses, you know, how do you explain you know, how do you explain this, right? So cyber insurance companies, they've scaled back coverages, they've changed their underwriting philosophies. How do you explain that to customers? Right, so we would refer them to what they're seeing in the news, right? Um, I think it's been pretty widely, you know, broadcasted and shared that there've been these systemic type events and that ransomware has become a huge issue for companies um, all over the world, really. And so what we've, um, you know, made sure to, to talk about and communicate is number one, we're understanding what the cyber insurance carriers are doing. A lot of times um, as a result of this hard market and the ransomware claims payments that have been paid out, what they've done is that they're requiring that is in the cyber insurance carriers are requiring organizations to have a minimum set of controls. 
um, in order for them to underwrite that risk. And so what we do is we obviously, you know, work to communicate what the expectations are from the insurance carrier to the insured and, and you know, relay that these are the expectations in order for an organization to receive the broadest terms and conditions. And if they don't have those broad, you know, and, and gold standard of controls in place, what will likely happen is that a carrier will look to make a change in the policy. What they'll do is they will look to sublimit coverage, which means that, you know, they'll look to reduce the limit, you know, for a certain area of coverage. For example, if, if we're thinking about ransomware, they might look to reduce the cyber extortion insuring agreement. Or something else that they might do would be to implement co-insurance. What that means is that there is a sharing of claims payments um, at an agreed upon percentage between an insurance carrier and an insured. But other strategies that my insureds and, and other insureds out there have also taken into account is that you know, they might look to remove um, especially in this hard market, they might look to remove certain insuring agreements as they don't apply as much to them. So that's been a way for some organizations to, to create some premium savings. Um, but overall, yes, we, we look to understand all of the positions, or at least most of the positions of our cyber insurance carriers um, when they look to potentially reduce coverage or limit it and communicate that in advance um, to, to the insurance that we work with. Wow, it's uh, complicated, right? For a for for a guy who grew up in the auto and property world, this is uh, definitely you know some some complicated things. So as you get into some you know specific niches, so, so mm -hmm. for example, managed care organizations, mm -hmm. you know how are managed care organizations particularly at risk for ransomware and, and other widespread events? Sure. So there. Managed care organizations can be more at risk for a ransomware event or a systemic event if there isn't a lot of network segmentation um, included in their controls at their company. What that means is, you know, we're looking to make sure that um, certain segments of businesses are, are separated by firewalls or other appropriate controls. Why is that important? Right. Let's think about it from a claim scenario. We've got a bad actor who is who's looking to. Uh, take advantage or, or take personally identifiable information or, or sensitive health information, right? And exfiltrate it or, you know, execute a, a ransomware event on an organization. If it's easy for that bad actor to get into a computer system and a network and navigate easily throughout the entire company, think about all the sensitive information that can be touched and accessed or exfiltrated, right? Um, not only you know, for managed care organizations, they're holding a lot of PHI, right? Protected health information of residents, but also of employees, right? Um, and we also have to think about you know, the employees of that organization, their dependents who are potentially purchasing um, you know, employee benefits, right? They're taking advantage of, of those offerings um, by, by an insurance organization. So we have to think very carefully um, and, and kind of take a, a layered approach, right? Um, to make sure that there are appropriate controls in place. So if a bad actor gets in, they're only in one area of a network instead of easily being able to navigate through an organization's entire network. Interesting. And that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, is there any indication that ransomware is subsiding? You know, at the beginning of this year, we did see a slight downtick in ransomware claim activity. Um, and I would say that was mainly in part um, due to the war in Ukraine and Russia, right? So there was um, some attention being diverted there. 
um, but we have seen a, a slight uptick. But overall, I want to say that over these past two, two and a half years, the communication that we've received from our carrier partners and, and what they've communicated to insurance is that you know, these are the expectations um, and these, these are the controls that we need organizations in place in order to offer the broadest, you know, terms and conditions for a cyber insurance policy. Um, number, it's kind of, it's kind of two-sided, right? So number one, overall, it's going to make an organization more secure because these recommendations that they're giving overall are going to be beneficial for the organization as a whole. Um, and number two, it's going to help your um, insurance broker and uh, the negotiations. You know, they're able to tell a better story on um, an insurance behalf because they can say they received feedback from a cyber insurance carrier that they needed to improve these certain controls. They put it on their roadmap. They got buy-in from management. They were able to implement and you know allocate more of budget for for cybersecurity and overall it's it's just a really great story to tell and it makes them a more secure organization. So there's there's overall it's it's really a win-win situation. Sure. Now now think about the you know the industry as a whole. You know what are some of the claims? You know the loss trends, the claim trends that you're seeing. Right. So in terms of proprietary claim information that WTW has pulled together for managed care organizations and senior living organizations. You know, the top four um, typical types of um, claim scenarios that we're seeing for those types of organizations would be malicious data breaches, accidental data breaches, right? Um, think about a situation where, I know this happened um, you know, with an insured of mine, um, during COVID, right, um, an organization had a bag of COVID tests in a FedEx bag in their in their car, and the car was broken into, and the bag of COVID tests were were stolen, right? So it certainly wasn't intended for that information to be um, to be kind of left in the open, et cetera. And it was an accident, but still, there's been a breach of you know personal and protected health information, right? Um, additionally, um, we're seeing continued denial of service attacks as well as ransomware. Those are our top four. Certainly managed care organizations though as well and senior living organizations, um, they continue to see an uptick in business email compromise and request for funds to be transferred fraudulently. So that's when you've got an individual who's pretending to be um, a senior executive at an organization and is authorizing payments to be made um, when perhaps it's, it's not actually the case and it is a bad, act, bad actor who is pretending to be somebody and is um, creating a financial loss for, for an organization. And especially as it relates to, you know, a lot of the population still working remotely after the pandemic, because we're a decentralized workforce, it's so much easier for employees to click on that malicious link because you can't turn to a colleague and say, oh, did you just see you know, this email from so-and-so, right? They tried to get me again. You don't really have somebody you can bounce a, you know, bounce a thought off of, right? So that's something that we've definitely seen um, as a trend over the pandemic and having folks work from home. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, even on a personal level, we see it, right? We get these emails from, you know, your bank or Amazon or your, your long lost uncle in Nigeria. And, right. you know, you, you know, you, you know, intuitively, you shouldn't click on it. But I think a lot of people, you know, do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're giving advice to your clients on things that, that organizations can do better to protect themselves, what are the top two or three things that you're telling them? 
Sure. So, I mean, there, there isn't a silver bullet, unfortunately, um, for, or, or one size fits all that, that works best for every organization. But I think having a layered cybersecurity approach, making sure there's buy-in from the C-suite, right? There's, there's visibility, um, there's communication, there are, um, continued exercises being done, whether it's a business continuity planning or an incident response plan that's specific to maybe a ransomware event, that you're, you're practicing these types of events so that when a claim occurs, this isn't the first time you're, you're going through the motions. You've practiced, you've reviewed, you've made tweaks as necessary. You know who the, the key decision makers are uh, in the process. Additionally, want to make sure that you are communicating with your broker and understanding any ancillary services that are being uh, provided by a broker or your carrier. A lot of times carriers have um, portals or like hubs that you can go on to do and see training, um, see sample incident, report, incident response plans, business continuity plans, or carriers also have the ability, depending on who you're working with, um, to do free or discounted tabletops, like I mentioned before, like that ransomware tabletop. So definitely make sure that you're aware of any additional offerings that your broker or your insurance carrier has to offer. Interesting. So, so you had mentioned earlier the Russia-Ukraine conflict. You know, what are you telling clients about the threat of cyber attacks stemming from that conflict? Right. So, you know, at this time, we continue to be on high alert. You want to make sure that you're prioritizing, you know, employee awareness, um, spear phishing, um, which is a type of social engineering. It's a common method where an attacker would gain access to an organization's network and can launch a cyber attack. So making sure that you continue to train employees on what those types of attacks look like so they can be aware, they can report it to IT um, and not click on that malicious link. Additionally, um, kind of a few additional items here. You want to understand what your data and system backup strategy is. Um, they should continuously review to see what um, critical assets and systems, you know, how those can be restored um, quickly in accordance with, you know, business requirements. Um, an additional item that we want to make sure that we touch on critical asset and privileged account management. That's something that we've seen come up a lot um, on underwriting calls. You want to make sure that, you know, privileged accounts um, and system administrator accounts that they're very limited, that there is good password password hygiene and password rotation there, because if a bad actor is, is able to get those very sensitive credentials, they can really wreck a lot of ha havoc within an organization. Um, technology supply chain management, understanding who are your vendors, what are your requirements for them to carry cyber insurance, um, what's included in your contracts, what are, you, what are you asking of them, what are you expecting of them, if an event was to occur, you know, how can you um, subrogate against one another, etc. So having a really good understanding of your, you know, third parties that you're engaging with and, and what those vendors controls look like and, and what's in those contracts. And then always, you know, having good detection in place, event management and incident response strategy. You know, those, those are a couple of things that organizations that, um, that they can do to kind of better prepare themselves. But then also, um, I want to make sure that in terms of the insurance side, that, you know, organizations are reviewing their work exclusion in their cyber policy um, and understanding, you know, if there's a cyber terrorism card back or if there've been any changes, right? Um, 
and expectations from you know what um, what's been communicated by the insurance carriers if they've taken a very strict stance but also making sure that you're working with your broker to continue to be aware of um, any changes in in regulations right yeah yeah so so interesting stuff i mean this is just a, a fascinating topic and and it's you know surely it's going to continue to change you know where do you see the cyber market headed in and not only the near term but say over the next five to 10 years. I wish I had a crystal ball. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, what I think the focus will be and what my hope is, is that um, the cyber insurance market is beginning to stabilize. And I think, you know, as I mentioned before, there's going to be a much bigger focus on third-party vendors that organizations are partnering with, um, as well as a focus on, you know, downstream contractual, you know, issues, right? Um, when I think about, you know, current ransomware events and, and how they're affecting uh, many different industries, we have to also think about how those events are affecting, you know, bottom lines um, for businesses. So I think, you know, overall, I think it's going to stabilize. Um, I think there will be a continued focus on the systemic type of events. Um, you know, events that are affecting certain softwares that thousands of organizations use and insurance carriers will likely look to more understand the implications of that big widespread event. Wow. Well, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Teresa. It was a very informative session uh, for the audience. If you would like to be a guest on our show, head on over to secondlook.net and hit the podcast button. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to Insurance Claims Innovation. Are you interested in being a guest on our show? We would love to have you. Visit us at go.secondlook.net slash podcast dash guest. Please share Insurance Claims Innovation with others on social media and provide rave reviews about our guests. The goal of Insurance Claims Innovation is to showcase others in the insurance claims arena who are using cutting-edge technology to gain a competitive advantage. Follow us at Insurance Claims Innovation and subscribe to our podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at Second Look Inc., Interested in learning more? Stop by our website at www.secondlook.net. Again, thank you for joining us today. My name is Chris Tidball, and I hope you found this to be time well spent.